try to wake up grateful for the day and understand you got to balance work and play. But health and family, I've got to stay positive because, hey, all right, all right, enough of the poetry, enough of the poetry and the rhyme. What is it? February 25th. It's a Thursday. This is it. Episode 14 of the Hezzy, and you know, it's brought to you by basketballgods.net. And we're still getting the site together. There's some dope content if you want to go back and look at the legends of the game. I'm talking Jordan, Bird, Magic. A lot of you younger heads, you know, you're hearing that stuff second and third hand. And I'm not going to lie to you, unless you experience some of the stuff in real time, you know, it just doesn't feel the same. But, you know, it is good to get a history of the game and, and, and get a uh, an understanding of those stars. And that's when the in the 80s, when the NBA really took off and laid the foundation for what we're appreciating today. So I brought it up yesterday. The Lakers, Jazz, I was curious to see what type of competitive spirit this Lakers team had coming off three losses, three tough ones, right? And you're seeing the hottest team in the league in Utah. And as expected, they smoked, right? It, it, it wasn't even really a game. Everybody played. You, you can look at the stat lines and you can tell it was over early, right? When everybody had like halftime stats for the entire game because they only played a half. And it got me to thinking about LeBron and how strategic he is with his legacy and how he has had all this pushback of late about rest. I'm good. I'm going to play if, I, if I'm going to be here for my team, saying all the right things, right? But I think that under that, we all know that LeBron um, is very strategic, again, in, in what he does, how he moves, his legacy at this point, right? And I just wonder if LeBron has kind of taken a step back here this season, condensed season, quick turnaround, and maybe realized AD, the Achilles, you know, looking at what he has, we don't have a great shot this year at winning it. Now, to some of you, that may sound crazy, right? Like, what do you mean? I know a lot of people had the Lakers as the heavy, heavy favorites going into this season. I did not. I did not like the moves. You can go check my receipts on that, but it don't matter. Um, and it was because of the age and how precarious their health would be. And sure enough, now they sit and it looks like, you know, they've got problems, right? And uh, But what I'm getting at here is I'm, I'm starting to ramble is, is LeBron sat back and decided, yo, I'm just going to go get the MVP this year. I don't think we can we can go back to back because of our health and, and the age of the roster and the scenario. Let me just go get this MVP and add to my legacy. And the next year, healthy, will retool and I'll try and go get another one. Is that really beyond LeBron? And why, what I mean by that is that's why we're not going to see him rest. He's going to be out there for 40 plus minutes, pushing through regular season games before the halfway point. Now, they got to win some games, right? But he's obviously at the table in the conversation. A lot of people have LeBron as the MVP right now. And so I'm just curious if maybe he chases this MVP award rather than like keeping the big picture in mind and being healthy and ready to go for a playoff push. We know how he feels like he's been shorted out of several MVPs. And anybody of his status and a player that good, he's going to feel that way. I don't have a problem with him feeling that way. I just want to point out, like, is, is he going to chase the MVP? Or is he going to do what's best to try to win another chip this year? Laker fans, let me know what y'all think. Let me cover a little bit of my dubs here because it was an impressive win last night in Indiana. Steph goes one of 11 from three. The team hits five three-pointers 
And yet they beat, we know Indiana's a good team. And they did it with their defense. You're seeing them build an identity. There's a lot of talk about it after the game between Kerr and Draymond. And they're proud, and they should be. And you look at the character of this team and what they've done here. You got a bunch of guys with high motors who take pride in their defense. Kelly Oubre, Kent Bazemore, Brad Bridge Troll Wanamaker, and of course, Draymond Green. But it doesn't all come together without Steph Curry. And you say, well, yeah, obviously, right? They need his scoring. Well, no, I'm talking about his defense. At 32, as physically strong as he's ever been and as mentally sharp as he's been, Steph Curry has dug in defensively and been really good. He's been really good. If you've been watching Warrior games, and go back and watch that game last night. He was everywhere, creating turnovers. The thing that sticks out to me the most is his strength on ball. Where in the past, you know, if guys were even with him, they were leaving him, right? And putting a shoulder on him and kind of blowing through him and using their strength. And now when you put your body into Steph, he's still there. He's still in front of you. But it's also just an overall effort from Curry. And when your best player is doing that, you're going to get full buy-in all the way up and down the roster. Now, I had talked about the guys that are just going to defend regardless, the motor guys, but you're going to get buy-in from Andrew Wiggins. You're going to get buy-in from the 19-year-old rookie. And all of a sudden, the Warriors are one of the better defensive teams in this league, and so they can buy time for Steph if he's not feeling it from the field. They're going to stay in games until the inevitable happens and the splashes start to drop. So they beat Indiana last night, back-to-back wins in New York and Indiana. And uh, yeah, Dub Nation, we feeling all right right now, right? Funny how things change so quickly after those two horrendous losses to start that road trip. As expected, the NBA quickly righted their wrong and put Devin Booker in the All-Star game. They gave him Anthony Davis's spot. This is the second year in a row that Book has got in as an injured reserve, technically. But it's all good because no one really remembers that, right? When you look back at Devin Booker's resume, it's just going to say an all-star. But I'm sure he remembers it. It, it, it seemed weird, but, uh, you know, Adam Silver, and they quickly they quickly realized, oh, yeah, I don't even think it was a debate, right? All right, well, Book gets that spot. And maybe it was a foregone conclusion even before the voting. Who knows? Either way, Phoenix-Charlotte last night was probably the game of the night. I guess that's subjective, right? Bulls fans and some other people probably say otherwise. Um, So Book comes out hot, 16 points in the first quarter, doing what he wants, playing his own speed. And Charlotte weathered the storm, and that's what makes them dangerous is their depth. On any given night, someone can get hot and carry them. And on this night, it was Malik Monk off the bench, 29 points. I think you saw a lack of familiarity with the Suns and what they wanted to do against a Hornets team, an East Coast team, and particularly LaMelo Ball. What you saw were the Suns allowing their bigs to switch out on LaMelo. And I think they learned you can't do that, right? A bigger guy out in space looks like a snack to Melo. That's just what it was. And that's what you saw last night. I think the other thing that you're seeing is teams are still going to dare him to shoot that three. I saw Chris Paul a couple times not even put a hand up. I think that that's going to quickly stop because he's shooting it well enough that you're going to have to contest, particularly those transition deep pull-ups. And he's very crafty, so it's easier said than done. But I think as the league builds a scouting report on 
mellow, it's going to be, you're going to have to stay attached in transition because he, that's when he seems to be in his best rhythm is those pull-ups in, in, in semi-fast break transition where we saw him do that at Chino Hills for so long. It's no surprise he likes that rhythm. And then the other thing, like I said, you can't switch a big on the mellow. His eyes get big and he starts mixing. And so late in this game, Devin Booker gets a cheap foul. He leans in on Hayward, who is playing even despite the hand thing, and gets a four-point play with about 32 seconds to go and keeps Phoenix alive. I don't like the lean-in foul calls. When a, when a player, I think the general rule should be if the offensive player leans in more than 45 degrees, that's an offensive foul or a no call. And Booker leaned in, he gets it, four-point play, the Suns are alive. Now, you're talking a few seconds left on the clock, Booker again to tie the game, and he gets snake bit by Hayward on the elbow, no call. Hornets win. And it just makes you wonder if that was kind of a makeup call. Like the refs realized they probably shouldn't have blown the whistle on the four-point play. Now they let Hayward get away with a snake bite on the final shot. Hey, it'd be like that. It'd be like that. I get being upset in the moment as a fan, but I would advise Suns fans and NBA fans, you got to keep it moving, man, because eventually it kind of evens out. We all feel like victims in the moment for our teams when we get screwed, but ultimately sometime along this season, it'll happen the other way around. And so you just kind of got to keep that in the back of your mind with these calls. Boston in Atlanta saw each other again last night, battling for the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff seating. Damn, you hate to see it. No, it was one of those games where a team just was dumb hot from three, right? Gallinari, 10 threes, 23 three-pointers from the Hawks. What are you going to do with that, right? And Gallo is one of those guys that can't explode. I think everybody for that organization and that fan base has been waiting for Gallo to show his ass. And uh, he finally got hot, right? He's capable. I mean, 10's a lot, right? But that's not that surprising. We know he's that caliber of shooter when he's right. And he hasn't been right all season. So good to see him contributing, coming over with the big deal, right? But look, I had said, I think everybody has their eye on Boston. Boston has quickly become the most disappointing team in the NBA. I think initially it was the Pelicans. Now it's got to be Boston. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know the ins and outs of the dynamics of the rotations and stuff like that. Like some of you, Bean Town, I haven't said Bean Town in at least 10, 15 years. You know, I know how sports is religion for Boston fans. I respect it because it is for me as well. So again, I'm not going to act like I know the intricate details of these issues. From the outside looking in, what I see is... There's too many spots up and down the roster on a given night where athletically the Celtics are just at a disadvantage. Tristan Thompson is cooked. You got Grant Williams and Semi Ojale out there way too much. Peyton Pritchard is fun. He's good. Like I, I like him for what he is, but on most nights he's, he's not at an athletic advantage, right? Um, and then Daniel Tice, I love him as a player, but any night he's matched up against a true center, He's at a disadvantage physically. And then we can talk about Kemba and his knee issues. When does he have the physical advantage? So when you look at the Celtics roster, 
outside of the two all-star wings, it just seems like every night they're kind of like at a disadvantage at every other spot. And so, you know, I, I, that again, that's what I see from the outside looking in. I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. What are they going to do? They're, a trade's coming. A trade's coming. Marcus Smart seems to be kind of the real only asset that they can that they have. They got some picks. I, I like I said I like Neesmith. I did hear a rumor Kemba Walker for Kyle Lowry. That'd be real interesting. That'd be real interesting. You got Lowry and Marcus Smart in the same backcourt. <laughs> she. I don't. I don't think it's time to panic, Boston fans. But I think it's time to be disappointed and expect change. Danny, it's on you. Have y'all been watching Zion? They're finally putting him out in space. Stan Van Gundy, and he, it's taken him some time, some tweaks, but you're finally seeing Zion catch the ball out on the perimeter, out in space, and we're starting to see Duke Zion again, where he's got a big runway to take off, and he's even more impressive, right? You know, initially, obviously, they were monitoring the knee, his weight, being in shape, but everything was done in the paint, and, and almost everything was done, you know, uh, with his back to the basket or like within one or two steps from the basket. And now putting him out in space, he's in better shape. He's more confident. I think the most impressive thing for me has been his handle. Like he, he's, got, he's got a nice handle for that size and that explosion. It's functional, right? It's a functional, nice little handle. And he dropped 32, 6, and 5, beating Detroit last night. And so it's good for everybody. It's good for everybody that Zion is healthy and starting to look like the dude I think we wanted him to look like. I can't leave this episode without mentioning SGA. Career high 42 in a win against the Spurs last night. And shout out my guy Stevie, man. He told me the kid was a star. He told me the kid was a star, and I was a non-believer. I was a non-believer. Look, that's not, I didn't think he was a scrub. I liked him. I thought he, I, I thought he was kind of like a six-man, right? Like a, a third guard type of player. And I knew he was talented, but I didn't love his demeanor. And Chris Paul, as good as he is, he also is daddy, right? He kind of, he wants to control everything. And he, he I, th I think that some players, particularly guards, are going to have a hard time growing under Chris Paul because he's just so he's just such a big and dominant personality so you know maybe that hit some of it but he just you know the, the, the kid's name is shy right it's Shay but you know he just seemed a little shy right had a really bad bubble and then my other thing was I wasn't sure he was going to be able to extend that range out to three because initially he only shot in the mid-range but here's the thing man SGA has the nastiest change of pace in the league, hands down. And then he's figured out how to find a rhythm with this three ball out of that elite change of pace, right? Oh, uh, oh, ah. Uh, and he gets almost all of them off the bounce in that change of pace. It's devastating. You combine that with his length, and that allows him to finish at those half speeds, right? He's so he can just elongate. When you're a little guy, you got to use burst and speed. He can he can completely slow down, stop, go, ah, and then he can just elongate and finish. He's got a float game. And so now you've got yourself a star in Oklahoma City. Six threes last night, taking out a Spurs team that's always game. So SGA doesn't get a lot of love nationally, and I wanted to shout him out for that. 
tonight, it's pretty simple. Giannis, Zion. I want to see him meet at the rim. Body to body, chest to chest. Pause. This is the Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.